right. Looking good. Yep. Two more. Okay, this will be our our last week of instruction, uh, last kind of prepared lesson. I've got a stack of uh, questions from you guys. Next week, as I announced this morning, will be uh, joint ABF with the Griffiths. Uh, so that changes our schedule a little bit. Uh, we'll do our final Q&A two weeks from today. So you have another week or so to get me your questions. Uh, and what I'm going to do that final week is try to get through all of those pre-submitted questions. And then if we happen to have time, I'll take free questions from the floor. But I'd highly recommend you submit your questions if you have one, because I can't guarantee we'll have time um, afterwards to take questions from the floor. So that will be in two weeks. All right, let me begin just by praying for us, and then we'll start. Father, as we look this morning at the role of the church body in the training of children and in parenting, I pray that you would help us to see how we as a body fit together as a family, as a body. And I pray that you would help us to understand our role in the lives of others' uh, families, of the children and parents that are around us. I pray that you would help us not to live in isolation from one another, but to be joined together, to be knitted together with those around us that you have put together in fellowship here. I pray that you would bless this time together and give us a clear picture for what we should look like as a body in regard to parenting. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, well, uh, just a quick review what we looked at uh, in the first week together was what God's expectations are for parenting, for God's expectations uh, for parents, and God's expectations for children. Uh, then we looked at the tools that God's given us, uh, the Word of God, the prayer, and the rod. And then the last two weeks, we've been looking at the first two years uh, of our children's lives setting some goals and how to achieve those goals. And what I want to do is shift gears to looking at what the church's role is in parenting. And I just want to begin by reading a couple of passages that I think give us a picture of how children are a part of the body and how we as a body can minister to both the children and to the parents and vice versa, how the parents and children can minister to the body. So let's begin by looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Open up to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you turn there, uh, Pastor Jeremy mentioned this in his sermon, so I'm not going to explain it all over again. But the first commandment that we have with the promise is in Exodus chapter 20, honor your father and mother. And I don't know if you've kind of thought through this before or not, but when God says, honor your father and mother, who is he talking to? He's not talking to children. He's talking to everyone. He does not address children in Exodus 20. He addresses all of us. And so it would be our obligation as parents, as adults, it would be our obligation to honor our father and our mother. Something different happens here in Ephesians 6. Now, Ephesians is addressed to the church at Ephesus or the saints who are at Ephesus. And the whole book so far is 
directed very clearly to adults, to members of the church. But then in chapter 6, he says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. We tend to just read over that, of course. Okay, children, obey your parents. Yeah. What's profound about that is that this is a letter that would be read to the church. And who does he assume is there in the church? The children. And this is a pretty radical shift from what would be going on in the synagogues, where the men were generally in the front they were in the building, and if the women were there, they would probably be in the back, and if children were there, they would be with the uh, women, and if Gentiles were there, they would be back there also. Very clear segregation. Men, women, children, Gentiles, they all go together. That's typical synagogue. But in the church, something totally different is going on, where Paul can look at children in the service. And then what's in verse 5? Who's the next group he addresses? Slaves. That's pretty profound. Slaves, free men, Jews, and Gentiles are sitting together in the church, and who's among them? Their kids. Their children are with them. Now, it doesn't say, parents, make sure your children are in church. It doesn't say that. But what's the assumption? If Paul can address the children, who's present? The children. He doesn't say, parents, make sure your children obey you. Though that would be easy enough if the children were outside of the service for him to say that. But the fact that he's able to turn and directly address the children tells us the kids are there. They're present. They're present. The same thing in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So the assumption that we have in the New Testament is that children are present, they're receiving the instruction. I'm not going to get into the the detail of how is it possible for a child to be a part of the body. That is a complicated question. I'm not sure that I have a perfect answer for it. But somehow, some way, they're present, they're in the body, even though they're not yet what we would call members. Okay. Now, second point that I want to make uh, by way of introduction uh, is, is found in the various requirements for the leaders of the church, both the deacons and the elders. So if you flip over to 1 Timothy, chapter 3, and look at verse 4. These are the requirements of an elder, or overseer, as he calls it here, a bishop. They're all the same thing. In verse 4, a requirement of elders is that he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Now, that's not a requirement for the children. That's a requirement for the elder. The elder has a requirement in regard to his children. And then look down at verse 12. This is a requirement for deacons. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Very interesting qualification. But what Paul is saying to Timothy, and he he says something similar in Titus 1, 
What Paul is saying to Timothy is that the men who are in charge of the church, the men who are the leaders of the church, must be able to manage their own house well. Because if they don't, how can they possibly manage the house of God? Now, what does that assume? It assumes that uh, Timothy or Titus, and I believe the body actually knows about an elder's children, actually has seen and witnessed the household of the elder. If we're so disconnected from one another that we're never in each other's homes, if we're so disconnected from each other that we don't even know our children's names or how they behave or what their personalities are, we're not in a position to be able to judge whether or not a deacon or an elder is actually qualified to hold his position. Seem fair? And I bring that up simply to say we ought to be involved with one another at the household level, at the child level, so that we know one another's children. Because if we don't know one another's children, how can anyone say amen to, yes, that man, his children are under control. His children are submissive. His house is managed well. You can't say that. And so we, as a body, part of our responsibility is to know one another well enough to say, yes, that man's child uh, or children are under control. That man's household is managed well. So there's an assumption. These aren't commands. This doesn't you know, spell out all the details of it. But there's an assumption there that we know one another's families, we know one another's children well enough to say, amen, that man's children are submissive. Now let's look at how the body can help in training. And I want to look first in general. Just in general, how can we help one another in training our children? And I've broken this up, non-parents and parents. And just so you're clear on what I mean, I don't mean let's put all the parents over here and all the non-parents over here. What I mean is in, in, in regards to someone else's children, I'm not a parent. I'm not their parent. So let's look at a child's parents and everyone else, okay? So for non-parents, if you're dealing with someone else's children, how can you help? How can you help? How can we be involved with one another as a body? Number one, pretty simple, reinforce what you know is right. If you see my children doing something that they should not be doing and you know they shouldn't be doing, please feel free to correct them. Please feel free to reinforce what you know is right, even if... All it is is, would your mommy or your daddy want you to be doing that? Then you should not be doing it. That, that's it. I think most of us would be comfortable with something like that. If you're even more bold, go ahead. Talk to them. Pull them aside. Bring them to me. Bring them to Amy. Whoever you want, that's fine. But reinforce what you know is right. If you see children running across the foyer... Don't just look away in disgust and say children nowadays or parents nowadays. Stop them. Tell them, hey, come over here. This is a, do you, have you met the Tuttles? Have you met them? And do you know what will happen if you run headlong into Lois Tuttle? Maybe you shouldn't be running in the foyer because you might knock someone over and hurt them. Does that make sense? Okay, good. No more running. And then when you see them walking, encourage them. Good job. 
you know the difference between the gym and the foyer. <laughs> Good work. So reinforce what you know is right. Now, there's some things that I think all of us are going to agree on. There's no debate. There's no discussion. There's really not any difference between our families. I'm speaking about those universal things that we all, we all recognize. Okay? There will be some things where we may have a preference. One family prefers that children do things one way. Another family has a different preference. That's fine. We don't have to mix all of that up. But when we're talking about things that we all, I think, are universal, we all agree on them, feel free to reinforce with the children what is right. Two, on the same line, don't be afraid to address them directly. That will require you knowing their names which is a challenge sometimes, but don't be afraid to direct, uh, address them directly. One of the most uh, common, commonly repeated phrases for parents, or I'm sorry, for teachers, is that someone else is able to discipline better than they themselves. A teacher will often say, if someone else comes in the room, the kids act better than when I'm there, that type of thing. Well, with parents, it can be similar. When you step in and say, you should not be running, or you should not be talking to your mom like that, that is, whoa, deer in the headlights, this is serious, who's this person talking to me? You can help the parents by reinforcing that, by speaking directly to the children. Don't be scared to do that. Uh, there, I think there's a, a, a sense in our country especially, this is my family, these are my children, don't tell me what to do, don't tell my kids what to do, but is that us as a body? I hope not. I don't think so. If we are one in Christ Jesus, then isn't there something good and beautiful about us helping each other, speaking to each other's children. I don't think there's anything I appreciate more than somebody who, when they see my kid doing something they shouldn't, has the guts and the love to go and say, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. We don't talk like that around here. So don't be afraid to address them directly. Then, uh, third, and this is probably the most important, if there is a problem, talk to parents before you talk to others. You may be in some gray area. I don't know. Should I talk to the child? Should I talk to the parents? You know you need to talk to the parents when you're tempted to talk to others. So when someone says, oh, what do you think about so-and-so or so-and-so's kids? If you're tempted to start speaking ill of someone's children, speaking ill of someone as parents, you know it's time to talk to the parents. You need to go and talk to them. Now, it might be something the parents are totally ignorant of. I mean, how, how many of you, 100% of the time, know where your kids are, know what they're doing? There's not a second between you getting out of the car, you know, where they're alone. We all, I think, maybe more, some more than others, but we all have moments of time, even if just for a few minutes, where we don't know where our children are, we don't know exactly what they're doing, right? If that's the case, what would you want someone to do for your children if they were out of line? Do you want them to just let them be out of line, let them misbehave, let them do something that's wrong? Or would you want someone else to step in and help? I think we'd all agree we'd want somebody else to help. We'd want somebody to, to, to love our children enough to help them. But if the, if the issue is more than that, if the parents are there, 
and the kids are out of control or something like that, before you talk to anyone else, you've got to speak to them. Just talk to them. Tell them what the issue is. Tell them what the problem is. You may find out the problem's you, or you may find out the problem is them and they need help. Either way, what should a body do? Help itself, build itself up in love. And that's what we're called to do. So speak to parents, speak to the parents before you speak to other people. Uh, very constructive. Uh, when we, we were visiting uh, our friends in Idaho, we had an opportunity to talk to them and they, they pointed out some things and they said, you know, we noticed this about your children. They, they, they're doing this regularly. And I, I'd never thought about it. I didn't know it, didn't notice it. And I wouldn't have known that had they not loved us enough to say, hey, we've, we've noticed this pattern in your kids. And so now we can work on it and they're better because of it and we're better because of it, I hope. So talk to one another. Now, parents, parents, how do you help the body train your children? Number one, invite people in the body to help you. Make it clear to those around you, we invite your help, we want your help. Some parents can, can be a little, um, get, you know, get out of my business, this is none of your business, don't talk to my kids, if you have a problem with them, talk to, talk to me. If you as a parent want the body to help you, invite people around you to help. Tell them that they're welcome to correct your children. Tell them that they're welcome to let you know if their kids are out of line or need help. Two, accept critique humbly. There's going to be some things probably in your life that you're critiqued on that you shouldn't have been critiqued for. Probably there's some things people think you're doing wrong that you're not doing wrong. There'll be other things that you're critiqued on that you well deserve to be critiqued on. Accept it humbly. What do you have to lose? Someone comes and tells you, I think your kids shouldn't be wearing striped shirts to church because that's from the devil. What do, you, what do you gain by arguing? What do you gain by saying, no, that's not wrong, you're wrong? You're not going to gain much. If you accept the critique, no matter how absurd it might be, and humbly consider it, you have nothing to lose except pride. We have face to lose, right? Lose it. Lose it. Accept the critique humbly. It can only make you better. Can only make you better as a parent. Even if there's only just a slight sliver of truth in what they're saying, you can grow from that and benefit from it. Three, ask for help when you can't figure it out on your own. The, uh, don't wait until it's a mess. When you are trying to work on something and you can't figure it out, talk to each other about it. Ask other parents, ask a pastor, an elder, hey, how did you do this? I'm dealing with this with my child. What did you find worked with them? Ask for help when you can't figure it out on your own. Don't isolate yourself and say, well, it's my problem. They're my kids and I've got to bear this you know, burden. No, talk to each other. Ask one another uh, for help. Okay, so those are just some general principles. I'd say most important, speak to, to parents before you speak to others. Don't talk about other you know, people's problems if you've not talked to the, the, the uh, parents themselves and ask for help when you can't figure out what to do. You feel like you're failing as a parent, ask for help. When you feel like you're failing in one area, ask for help. 
All right, now, how can the body help train specifically on Sunday morning? On Sunday morning. Uh, first, let's look at the in, the in this building, okay? In this building, sometimes called church. But in this church building that we have, how can we help one another on Sunday mornings? Parents, tell your children about people in the church. Tell your children about people in the church. If we're a body, we ought to know one another, right? So tell your children about the people in the church. Include them in your discussion your discussions. When somebody's sick, let them know. Encourage your children to, to know adults' names in the church, even if it's just Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. Encourage them to know them so that when they see them, they know who they are. And when so, Mr. So-and-so says hello to them, they know how to respond. We ought to know one another. The last thing you want is a 13 or 14-year-old who knows nobody in the church except kids their own age. So talk to them. How do they learn about the other adults in the church? By we as parents telling them about the people in the church. B, encourage your children to learn people's names. Uh, I think Mr. and Mrs. Is, or Miss, uh, as the case may be, that's always safe. Some adults, they'll know better, and maybe uncle or auntie is better, or, or maybe even a, a grandpa or papa or whatever it is. Uh, learn, help them to learn everyone's names, people's names, so that when they see them, they can say, good morning, Mr. Lovelace. It's good to see you. Good morning, Mr. Wink. Encourage them. Now, they're not going to know everyone's names because most of us don't know everyone's names, but they can learn something so that they're coming to church. They're coming to a body. They learn what it means to know others and be involved in their lives. See, teach your children how to be a blessing in public. Maybe this is a little more practical. When your children come into the church, whose church is it? Whose building is it? It's not theirs. Now, when they have a toy, they can kind of do what they want with their toy. But when they're playing with someone else's toy, there's different rules, aren't there? And when you're in your room, there's different rules than when you're in someone else's room. And when you're in your house, there's different rules than when you're in someone else's house. This is probably the house they're most frequently in that's not their own. Help them to be a blessing. Teach them how to behave in a public place that's a blessing to those around them. How do you feel when you're, when you're crowded in the foyer walking around and there's little kids running past you? Do you feel comfortable? Or do you feel like, man, I almost just got knocked over. Get me out of here. So then we as parents, what should we train our children to do? To be aware of that. Help them to learn how to have a different voice when they're inside and outside. Help them to learn how to greet people, etc. All of these teach your children how to be a blessing in public. We're in a public place. How can they be a blessing? And teach them those things. A lot of them are very simple, very straightforward, but it makes the difference between uh, you being happy to see a child and you being sad that you're seeing this child. And the difference is simply in their, their behavior and their attitude in a public place. Fourth D, invite others to help in the development of your children. This is close to what I said earlier. But tell people, hey, if you ever see my kid behaving in a certain way, 
Would you correct them or let me know? If you see my child doing what they're supposed to, will you encourage them for me? Um, you communicate to other people, I want your help. You're welcome in the development of my children. This isn't, you know, locked door, get out of here. You're welcome, invited to participate. Five, don't defend your children. Don't defend them. Help them to honor those around them. We have in this room, uh, I don't know, 50, 50 people, maybe 60 people. And we probably have 60, 50 different preferences for specific things. We all have different preferences. But if I know that someone on this side has a preference, how can I honor them? How can I honor a preference that someone else has? By fighting with them and arguing about whether or not they should have that preference? Probably not. If someone comes over to your house and your preference is that shoes be taken off, how can I honor you for taking off my shoes? Simple, right? When we have preferences that may differ from family to family, person to person, help your children to honor those preferences. So when you greet so-and-so, you say mister or doctor, or whatever the case may be. When you greet someone else, uncle is fine, or you know, whatever the, the name is. Some, some of you even want to be called by your first name. Those preferences teach your children to honor. We give preference to someone else. The reason I want you to do that is because they're important. And so you do this or don't do this because they are important. And what you'll find is that if they, as they learn to honor other people, their honoring of you will increase. It won't diminish. It won't diminish. So we want our children to look around at adults, take them seriously, and honor them. So those are some tips for parents in the building. Make, what we're working on with children is that they learn how to behave in a way that blesses those around them. Amy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Photo directory is really helpful. Uh, I think Aiden has most of your addresses memorized. So. <laughs> I have them in my cell phone, but I don't know what they are until I look them up. It's like, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Uh, okay, non-parents, non-parents, the rest of the body, how can we encourage the training of our children on a Sunday morning? Uh, f simple, greet the children. Greet the children. When you, and now, I know this isn't always possible. This is no law, like you must greet every child you see. But make an effort to try to greet the children. Greet them by name. If you don't remember their name, ask them. They, I don't think they're... Children are offended like we are. Just ask them their name. Call them some ridiculous name and then let them correct you. That's a clever way to, to get them to tell you, oh, hi, Methuselah, I haven't seen you in ages. Methuselah, my name's Jonathan. I know Jonathan. <laughs> well, at that moment, you did know because he just told you. It's no lie. <laughs> uh, 
But greet the children because that shows them that they're welcome. That shows them that, they, that you care about them and that they're invited into this place. You don't want children to be disconnected from the rest of the body because one day they're going to grow up and if their whole life they felt disconnected from the body, guess what they're going to feel like when they turn 18? They're going to feel like they're disconnected from the body. So we want them to know that they're welcome. Talk to the children. Children are so easy to talk to. I know they, so some of you are scared to death to talk to children. You don't know what to say. They terrify you. Uh, that, d- relax. Talk to them. They'll talk about anything. Just ask them, what did you do yesterday? And they'll, I mean, some of them won't stop for 10 minutes. And you might have to, well, it's time to go to church. We've got to get in there now. We're out of time. Uh, but talk to them. That, that attaches them to you. Now, if you've never talked to a child before, a particular child before, and they turn 15 or 16 and they're getting into trouble, and the first time in their life you come and talk to them, do you think they're going to be completely receptive? Is it going to matter much to them? Probably not. But if this is a child that you've talked with over the years, and now they turn 16 and they're in trouble, and -and so-and-so comes over and talks to them, it's going to be, whoa. I've known this person my whole life. I've talked to them almost every week or, you know, every couple of weeks. And they're they're speaking to me. They're going to take it seriously. See, don't be scared to correct children. I said this in general, but on a Sunday morning, uh, I I, I know I mean it for me, but I think it's true in general. If, If our children are misbehaving, if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, please feel free to correct them. Correct them. We, we appreciate that because it means that they're not on their own. It means that they're part of a family. It means that they're part of a household. So correct them. Don't be scared to correct them. If you're not comfortable with that, go mention it to the parents. Hey, I didn't know if this was okay with you, but I want you to know that I, I saw so-and-so climbing on the bookcase in the library. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. I will go deal with that. Uh, Don't be scared to correct them. Uh, And then D, right along those same lines, tell parents about things they might be missing. Tell parents about things they might be missing. Just maybe imagine if, if their parent was next to you, would they be happy with what the child's doing? And if you're pretty confident they wouldn't like it, let them know, because at the very least, even if you don't know what their preferences or their rules are, it's good for them to know. No, there's no censure, but I wanted you to know that downstairs they were playing baseball in the hallway, you know, during, you know, in between services. I'm glad I know that. I would not have known that if you hadn't told, hadn't told me. So let parents know what things they might be missing. Uh, things that they just don't know about because they're not in the room. Before I move on, one of the benefits to doing that is that you'll be able to discuss what the parents actually think about said behaviors. Sometimes you might find out they don't have any control of their children at all, and that's why it's a problem. Well, then guess what? You're in a discussion about that, and you can offer your help, you can offer your prayer, you can encourage them, etc. But you can't do that if you just ignore it and say, I can't believe how wild these kids are. Okay, uh, specifically in nursery and Sunday school. So this is just in the building in general. Now let's look in the nursery and Sunday school. We'll be brief. 
parents ask for feedback on your children. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, I have to acknowledge I'm probably one of the worst people at this because I'm always running, I'm, I'm trying to teach my own Sunday school, and so I never have time to go and do this. It's not because I don't want to, uh, but generally because I'm not available to. So I'm guilty if you say, but you've never come and asked me about, <laughs> I want to, and, and, and we do as a family, but I know I'm not usually available to do that. Parents, ask for feedback on your children. So ask for feedback, just how, how's it going? Have you noticed anything? Have you noticed any behaviors, good or bad? What are they like in, in uh, nursery or in Sunday school? And you'll learn from those people because oftentimes we see what we're looking for and we don't know what to look for that we haven't seen yet. And so if we talk to other people, they'll often say, you know, I've noticed this. And that may be something that was totally off your radar. And now you've gained their wisdom. But if you never talk to them, you're not going to know what they're like. You're not going to know what their behavior is. Uh, and you, you'll learn about your own children from other people. So ask for feedback. Uh, B, train your children to honor their teachers. Make it very clear that when they're going to Sunday school or they're in nursery, depending on their age and, and cognitive level, make it clear they will obey those people you will honor your Sunday school teacher. It's a privilege for them to be in Sunday school. So you can reinforce that with your children uh, and discipline as appropriate the children in their behavior towards their teachers. The, the same, this same thing will be true in school. Uh, I know as a teacher, I absolutely loved, I so appreciated parents who would come up and say, if my boy's ever out of line, you let me know. Because I knew that the parents would be reinforcing it at home, that there was support. We were all in this together. It wasn't me against the parents, but we were in this together. So train your children to honor their teachers. See, don't be scared to ask for help or offer suggestions. So two sides of this. Don't be scared to ask for help or offer suggestions. You might ask for help if, there's some, if you've seen success from the teacher and you can't get that same success at home. So maybe they don't struggle with something in the classroom that they do struggle with at home, and you guys can talk and collaborate. How do you, why is it that they never act that way in class, but they always act that way at home? And maybe you can work together to figure that out. Or if, you're, if the teacher's struggling with something and they say, I don't know how to get them to raise their hand and not speak until they're, you guys can talk and you, maybe you can offer suggestions about how to make the classroom environment more productive. So don't be scared to ask for help or offer suggestions. Then teachers, pretty much this is the reverse of, of what I've just said, give parents feedback about their children. Now, I, I'm guessing... Most of our Sunday school teachers are down teaching Sunday school, so they're not going to hear this, but that's good for the body. Give parents feedback about their children. One of the first things I'll say to people, well, so-and-so had this problem in class or, or in the nursery or whatever. My first question is always, did you let the parents know? Why? Because who's in charge of those children ultimately? The parents are. 
So we as Sunday school teachers, as teachers, we have to make sure that parents are aware of what their children are doing. Give them the first shot at dealing with it if you haven't been successful. Give them feedback, positive and negative. I want you to know that your son's been such an encouragement, and here's why. Then when you go home, you can encourage him in that. Or if it's negative, you can go home and deal with it. B, make sure to tell parents about unpleasant behaviors and attitudes. You, you may not have a behavior problem per se, but you may have a very bad attitude. We as parents want to know about those attitudes so that we can address them in our, our children's lives. So teachers, make sure that parents are aware of those behaviors and attitudes that are unpleasant or more likely than not sinful. And then C, don't be scared to ask for help or provide suggestions. Same thing, reverse. You may ask the parents, I don't know how to deal with this in class. Do you have any ideas? Help me out. Or what should I do when your child does this? If my child does that, I'd just go ahead and give me, a, give me a call on the pager and I'll come in and I'll deal with that. Or maybe they say, oh, you know what? If he ever does that, just put him, put him down on the floor and I don't know, whatever. You guys talk. You're working it out together. You're a team. So don't be scared to ask for help or provide suggestions. Teachers, you may provide suggestions to the parents. I've noticed that this is a behavior are you guys, have you been able to do anything to work on it? And they may have no clue how to deal with it. And this may be God giving you an opportunity to bless them, to build them up and strengthen them as parents. All right. Last, in the church service. In the church service. This is probably the most practical part of it. Uh, everyone in the church service has different levels of tolerance for children. Some people can be next to a screaming child and they don't even notice. I mean, there's not many, but there are some people and their tolerance level is just incredible. I'd be pulling out my hair and they're like, oh, they were crying. I didn't know. I don't know how they do it, but some people can do that. There's other people. There's other people who, if you sneeze in the church service, can't think straight for five minutes. I, 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 maybe that's a slight exaggeration. I don't think so. There are some people that are just about that sensitive. Now, how are we as a body going to live with one another if there's this wide spectrum of difference? And so I want to give parents and non-parents some tips on this, okay? So parents, in the church service with your children, first, be aware of how you're affecting those around you. Be aware of how you're affecting those around you. Some, sometimes it may not be that your child's misbehaving or doing anything inappropriate, but that cute little baby who's looking all over the place and swimming in the, you know, that can be a bit of a distraction for the people behind you. So be aware of that. I'm not saying what to do. I'm just saying be aware of that. You're not alone. You're not an island. You're affecting those around you. How are you affecting them? Be aware of that. Second, if you anticipate needing to leave during the service, sit near the back. If you sit in the front row and your child starts screaming, who sees it? Every single person in the church just about. And who sees it when you have to stand up in the middle of the service and walk out? 
just about everyone. So it makes sense. Sit near the back if you anticipate that. Now, sometimes you're not going to anticipate it and you, you have to do it anyway. No big deal, but you did what you could. You didn't know you were going to have to do that. There might be an emergency that comes up and you have to leave. It's not the end of the world, but be aware. And so if you know or anticipate needing to leave, sit near the back. Third, don't return to the service with a child who's been a disturbance unless you're positive or certain it won't happen again. Now, this is a tough one. This is a, uh, how do I say? Maybe it's controversial, but I would advocate that if you as a parent have to leave the service because your child's been disobedient, please don't bring the disobedient child back into the service because now what is everyone who heard that child thinking? How long is it going to be? Is it about to happen again? And they're now focused and distracted on this child who's already started, you know, screaming or crying in the middle of the service and disrupted everyone. Their focus is now on this child anticipating what's going to happen next. Now, there's definitely exceptions where, you know, your child, they're, they're not going to do it again. Maybe they fell asleep in your arms out in the foyer and you're, you're confident it's fine. Bring them back in. But if your child uh, has been a disturbance so much so that you've had to leave, don't don't bring them back into the service and do the same thing again. It seems like when you do that. It seems like you're ignoring the people around you and the disturbance you've been. So if if it's not necessary, keep keep them out, keep them in the cry room or the fireside room or the foyer and uh, try it again next week. So don't return to the service if you've had to leave because your child's been a disruption. That also shows to everyone around everyone else in the service without kids or otherwise. It shows them that you care about it. You don't enjoy uh, having your child be a disturbance. You're not glad that that happened. You care about that happening. And it's one way to show that you're taking it seriously. Fourth, if you noticed your child's noise or movements, assume other people did too. <laughs> so if you're hearing your child talk or babble or cry, or you're hearing them ruffle their papers or untie their shoes and throw them down or whatever, if you're hearing all of that, guess what? Probably people around you are hearing it too and act appropriately. If you're unsure next, sure your child is being a distraction. You're not sure. Some of us are very sensitive and we may be too sensitive and we think our child's being a disruption and they're not. Just ask a couple people around you. Don't ask one person because you're going to get one person's opinion. If you ask a couple of people, now you have a better idea of what the typical person thinks. Ask a few people around you and then use that to help you kind of zero in on what you should do. It'll help you figure out when it's time to take them out. And then last, invite a few people who are blunt. That's the important part, underlined blunt. Invite a few people who are blunt to let you know if your children are a disruption. It's really nice. It's really nice to have somebody you know is going to tell you if your kids were a disruption. Because oftentimes as parents, we're, I don't know if that was too much, if it was okay, I'm not sure. And having someone who will just be able to come up to you after the service and say, yep, 
So Greg Sweet's taking, uh, you can sign up. He's going to have a lit, no. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm teasing, but find someone that you know will be honest with you and let you know, yeah, they, they were. I still love you, but they were a disruption. Um, maybe you can do something about it. All right, now, what about non-parents? Here's, here's the challenging part, I think, for, for most of us in the body. It can be really easy for us to say, I wish everyone was qu as quiet and attentive as I was during the service. Why can't everyone just be like me? That's kind of what we all think. <laughs> Why can't everyone be like me? Because I've got it all figured out. No, none of us has it all figured out. We have to embrace diversity within the body. We have to embrace diversity. We're all different. God's made us different. It's, it's fantastic to me how a mother can be so compassionate and tender with a child. And I'm, I'm thinking like, you're killing me. Stop that noise. And mom's thinking like, oh, you poor thing. You probably have gas and your stomach's upset. And I mean, this is not even on my mind. God's made us all so different. We have different abilities, different skills. We have different tolerances, and all of them work together. It's not that one's good and the other's bad. It's that they're both good in different ways, and probably both bad in different ways, too. So we embrace the diversity of the body. We recognize not everyone's like us. When it's been 40 years since you had kids in the service, it can be hard. Remind yourself, I remember. I used to be there, too. I remember that time when my child was a, you know, a terror in the middle of service and had to take him out. Remind yourself that and embrace the diversity, the difference between all of us. Second, encourage parents just for trying to train their children. This is a big one. Sometimes as parents, uh, you kind of feel like it's us against the world. Um, nobody else really is on board with what we're doing. Sometimes you can feel that way. It's not true, but you, you get that feeling. Nobody else has to deal with, you know, what I have to deal with. Encourage them just for trying to train them. It, it can be so encouraging as a parent to hear someone else say, I see what you're trying to do and I like it. It's good. Keep it up. Even if you have to tell them maybe you could do it a little differently or maybe here's some things you could change, encourage them just for trying. And then third, don't talk to others when a child has been a disruption. Talk to the parents. Now, you know that if a parent gets up and leaves the service, probably the parents are aware that their child's been a disruption. This isn't go rub it in their face time. This is make sure that you're on the same page, because what can happen is someone over here thinks, well, we're way off in this corner. Nobody else heard us. And all the way over here, all they heard the whole service was this child on this corner. And so make sure that they're aware of it. Make sure that they're aware of it. And don't talk to other people about it. Don't turn to your neighbor and say, I can't believe what a disruption that kid was. Why can't they get those kids under control? Go and talk to the parents and say, hey. Obviously, I, I heard your kids today. What's going on? Can we help? Are you, are you doing okay? Is there any way that we can encourage you? And, and talk directly to them. You can work it out together. Don't go and talk to other people. All right. Uh, number four, how the body can help train in their homes. 
just real quick. Don't be scared to have families over to your home. Uh, I know, especially for, for elderly people, sometimes having kids in the home can be nerve wracking. Don't be scared to have families over to your home. Okay. Uh, the reason why is because it's your home and it's your rules. So explain those rules up front. Invite a family over and say, I just want you to know up front, we don't let kids run in the house and there's two china cabinets that they better not touch. My rule, my house, my rules. Now let them know that up front and then they can decide, you know what, our kids aren't ready for that yet. Let's take a rain check for another year. <laughs> we'll, we'll come by in one year. I do not want to have to deal with broken china. Uh, but let them know that up front and then they can decide whether or not their children can handle it. But don't be scared to have them over to your house. Uh, third, give parents an opportunity to correct their children. Then you can help. So if you're in your home and you've said, you know, here are the rules and the kids are breaking all of those rules and the parents are there, let parents have a shot at trying to fix it. And if they're correcting it and they're on it, great. If they aren't on it, then you can step in to help. You can either ask the parents, hey, would you mind um, or, or would you like me to, to tell them or remind them about not running or do you want to deal with that? Give them a parent, uh, the parents an opportunity to correct their children. Then you can offer help. And then fourth, and, and maybe most important, after the visit, give them feedback. It, it, it can be such a, an encouragement to hear, we, we loved having your kids over. It was really an enjoyable time. They were very well behaved. That's a great encouragement as parents. Or it may be a kind of an eye-opener. Yeah, your kids were out of control, uh, and, and we need to do something about that. So give them feedback after the visit. Give them feedback. Don't say, well, we hated that, but we're never going to tell them, so we just won't invite them back. That's rough, because when you never get invited back, you don't really know, but you think you know, and there's a big guessing game. So give them some feedback after the visit. You can say the, the, the reverse. Don't be scared to go over to their home if they invite you over. But remember, it's their home, so it's their rules. I think the, uh, the bottom line and how the body can help in raising the children is that we're in this together. We're not islands. We don't do this on our own, but we're involved with one another. And as we see problems... As there's different preferences, we honor those preferences, we address those problems, we work on it together, and all of our children benefit from it. So whether or not you have children in your home or not, you can be a part of blessing the children that are in this body. Let me close in a word of prayer. Father, I ask that you would give us as a body, even this evening as we have an opportunity to do some of these things, that you would give us a love for the children that you've blessed us with. And that you would help us not to look on them as a burden, but as a blessing, but one that is a stewardship and requires work on our part. Help us not to be afraid to do that work. Help us not to be bitter. Help us not to gossip or slander, but help us to love one another by speaking with each other frankly, openly. And I pray that our children would be blessed by the loving family that you have surrounded us with. We pray that you would be honored as we operate and act like a family. In Christ's name I pray.
Amen.